Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Crispin Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Crispin. Topics on today's episode include CFPB News, Part 2 of an interview with Candor CEO Tom Showalter on how to teach machine predictive intelligence, and the phasing out of the word transitory. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, Candor. Have you heard of Candor yet? As you'll hear shortly, they're gaining groundswell for their dynamic, adaptive, and automated underwriting engine. Today, my dad heads to San Diego for a California MBA board meeting, the home base of the Pacific Fleet. It's been 80 years since Pearl Harbor, a date that will live in infamy. That was a terrible day. We all have bad days, but nothing in comparison to that, and it is important to keep those days in perspective. The United States and our allies faced off against Japan, Germany, and Italy for the following four years. The residential lending industry is wondering if Amazon and Apple will face off against the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. Rohit Chopra, age 39 and director of the CFPB, faces limits in policing individual tech companies, which haven't been subject to supervision the way banks are. People continue to write in, asking about the CFPB's reach. The CFPB's jurisdiction covers the financing of the transaction, not the offer or sale. But clearly, state consumer departments may be interested if you hear of any wrongdoing. The CFPB has a toll-free number for whistleblowers. Well, I grew up using a different name for those people. 855-695-7974. There are several resources and parties interested in financial misdeeds. The FBI handles criminal mortgage fraud, and it is included in this omnibus of federal resources at stopfraud.gov. The CFPB has had an email box and enforcement tips hotline since 2011. For links to those sites, as well as the latest broker and lender services and products, visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back onto the podcast, Candor CEO Tom Showalter. He has extensive experience with predictive intelligence and machine learning, going from being a NASA scientist in the 1990s into the mortgage industry today where he has built machine learning into the Candor Intelligent Underwriting System. So the last time I saw you was like six weeks or so ago at, at the MBA annual in San Diego. What have you been working on since then? What's, what's new? Anything exciting to, to share? We're taking this underwriter format from the fulfillment space, which is where <clears throat> we started, and we're pushing it out to the point of sale space, POS, so that we can get candor further up in the process with the borrower. And what our clients have told us and what the data reveal is that as the borrower gets engaged earlier in the process by by a service such as candor, so that it can get true underwriting intelligence applied to the borrower in real time as the borrower is completing his application, her application as the borrower is submitting his or her data, what we have determined is that our lender clients are more likely to retain that borrower as a client going forward and not lose that borrower to another to another lender. So one of the things that we've been asked to do and we are we are starting to do is form relationships in the POS space so that we can we can bring candor earlier in the process, engage borrowers earlier in the process which we think will not only benefit our lender clients, but also benefit the borrower. And the way the borrower benefits is that the borrower gets clear, concise feedback on how readily this lender can underwrite the borrower's application, truly underwrite, meaning the borrower can get a commitment from the lender 
to borrow, for example, $300,000, given the borrower's income, assets, and other things, and given some sort of reasonable consistency between the 1003 slash application, the borrower data, and the guidelines. So um, we, we've been asked to do that. We are in the process of doing that, and we're looking forward to rolling something out in a test form that in Q1 2022. I have to say, as a borrower, I would love that because I feel like mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've gone through the mortgage process before oh, yeah. and you, you get kind of unclear answers on timing or things you're missing or, or, or you, the, the underwriting process can feel insufficient in ways. So that's great to hear that. And mm-hmm. I, I think you're, uh, I, th- I think you're rolling out a really great product here for, uh, for yeah. borrowers and lenders alike. And, and w- one thing to keep in mind, what the borrower's really trying to do is secure a valid commitment to lend the borrower the amount of money he or she thinks they need to pursue their housing agenda, such as buying a new home or such as refi. And uh, one of the things that people are starting to measure a service like ours by is the time to what's called surety, the time to the certainty that the borrower now is going to have a loan. And that's, that's the borrower's main agenda at this stage. Am I going to get a loan or not? And is this lender going to provide me one or do I have to go to another lender? And as you mentioned, it's very frustrating and it's kind of anxiety provoking to sit there and be told, well, thank you for all your information about your private life, your finances and so forth. We'll get back to you in a week or two or three with our feedback. Well, what that really is doing is it's it's it's, it's circling that that data back to the underwriter, putting it in the underwriter's queue and waiting for the underwriter to finish the other things ahead of it in the queue so that it can get to this borrower's application and, and interesting data. And so what Candor does is short, search, short circuits that process and basically provides underwriter intelligence early in the process. And, and therefore, the, the borrower can get an answer quickly. The lender can secure the borrower's interest quickly, and it's called time to surety. So some of these times to surety, you know, at, at a distance, some of them take three to four weeks. Others generally take at least a week to 10 days. And we have clients reporting that time to surety you're using candor goes from seven to 10 days down to less than less than eight hours, which is amazing. That is amazing. How have you built the capability to scrutinize information into candor? We have a number of tests that every piece of information has to go through. So for example, in order for a pay stub to be considered, it has to be what we call a valid pay stop. It has to be from a employer that's known to candor, meaning something that has been raised on the application. So we, we test the integrity of the pay stub in part. Is it something that's consistent with what the borrower states as his employer name? Other things are, is the pay stub within the requisite dates? It has to be, for example, less than 60 days old. Is it, is it less than 60 days old? Has it been issued to the borrower? In other words, the borrower's name is a big deal. So we're, we're cross-checking, for example, the pay stub with the borrower name, and we're cross-checking this information with a whole host of other pieces of information, such as the borrower's home address, the borrower's birth date. All of those things are cross-checked in, in a very aggressive way by candor. So candor goes through this cross-check process where it's taking the data supplied by the borrower and cross-checking it with the application and eventually the guides so that it can determine if the information it has is valid. But the valid information has to be consistent with 
what's in the borrower's application, and it also has to be consistent with what's required in the guidelines. If, if those three things, the, the borrower data, the borrower application, and the, and the guidelines are all consistent, item by item, then you have a loan that can be underwritten and sold. If there's any lack of consistency there, if these things do not make sense, according to Candor's judgment and intuition, this is what causes this loan to basically not get cleared to close and to have, have a challenge going forward. So it, one of the things that's happening here is we've gone beyond the integrity of, we've taken the data, we've determined its integrity, and then we've determined how meaningful it is with respect to the criteria and the guidelines, with the statements in the borrower's application, along with the reg, with the data we see. Yeah, it sounds like you've essentially built a machine that's coded underwriter intuition and judgment, which is exceptional. Correct. Tom, it's been a pleasure as always, and I look forward to, to speaking with you in the new year. Thank you. There is a common refrain among established lenders. We don't mind competing on price, service levels, or products. But if the competition is trying to skirt the ability to pay rules with borrowers, or is out there recruiting loan officers with offers that stretch LO comp rules, then that is a real problem for our industry. Although there are dozens of regulatory bodies tasked with overseeing residential lending and servicing, the one that stands out is the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. The nation has seen three and a half CFPB directors, all with a totally different sense of how best to accomplish protecting consumers from unfair, deceptive, or abusive practices and take action against companies that break the law. Richard Cordray did his best to leave his mark on the CFPB and was best remembered for making up rules through enforcement rather than rulemaking or seeing public-slash-industry input. Mitch Mulvaney, some say there were no rules. Kathy Craninger arguably did the best job in that role. Clear violations were prosecuted. And the word of the day during her tenure was education. The term abusive was defined, and the CFPB moved toward eliminating ambiguous regulations. Now we have Rohit Chopra. Bad faith and harm are once again subjective. Enforcement actions appear to be making a comeback, leading some to say that the CFPB is returning to its shoot first and ask questions later mentality from 10 years ago. Yes, the CFPB is 10 years old. Will Chopra want trophies, where well-known lenders and servicers are in the headlines? Consent orders are back, as are lawsuits and complaints. Fair and equitable lending is a priority, but now the Bureau has turned accusatory. Servicing in this era of forbearance is in the crosshairs. Is every foreclosure avoidable? The CFPB has moved to incorporate redlining into its jurisdiction through the use of statistical analysis. Where are you lending in proportion to your peers? Should independent mortgage bankers be compared to depository banks or credit unions? Humda data may be sliced and diced any way imaginable to prove the CFPB's point. Is your staff as diverse as the local population? What's your loss mitigation policy? Are you reaching out to borrowers currently in forbearance? Should we expect people making their monthly payments to be able to pick their own servicer? The list goes on and on. Volatility is back in the bond market. The week opened with investors taking comfort in reports that cases of the Omicron variant have been relatively mild, with South Africa reporting the surge in COVID-19 cases hasn't overwhelmed hospitals so far. The emergence of Omicron has caused forecasts for GDP this year to be lowered to 3.8% from 4.2%, and 2022 estimates to be cut to 2.9% from 3.3%. Additionally, a National Association for Business Economics survey showed that inflation may exceed the Fed target for at least two more years. Although it doesn't set mortgage rates, more clarity from the Fed can't come soon enough. There is no Fed speak this week as we are in the quiet period ahead of the December FOMC meeting, 
transitory, has been phased out, and we won't receive upcoming meeting minutes until the middle of next week. If the Fed does move forward with an accelerated pace of taper, it will certainly provide for more near-term volatility. Treasury yields were up yesterday, and the MBS basis ended tighter for the first time in a week. While the most important releases on the calendar this week are the consumer price index on Friday and job openings tomorrow, we still have several data points before then. This morning begins with the October trade deficit, as well as Q3 productivity and unit labor costs. Later in the day brings Redbook same-store sales, October consumer credit, and the first leg of this week's mini-refunding when $54 billion of three-year notes are sold. The U.S. Treasury will also conduct a buyback when it purchases up to $1.6 billion of 22.5-year to 30-year coupons. Today's schedule sees the desk targeting up to $5.3 billion of 30-year mortgage-backed securities, with the first operation including Gini, two 3% coupons for the first time in 15 months. It's early, but the day is starting with the fixed-income markets, which include mortgage-backed securities, unchanged from Monday night, and the risk-free 10-year Treasury yielding 1.44%. Thanks again to Candor for sponsoring today's podcast. I look forward to hearing more great things. Want to know more? Go to candortechnology.com and tell them Robbie Christman sent you. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.